Well, right now, the Pac-12 is the best football conference in the country, and I am doubling down on my take that they won't send a team to the college football playoff. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I am your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day in your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and mostly team free as of 2024. But until then, beloved and competitive Conference of Champions, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review. Please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college or enter promo code LockedOnCollege for a free water bottle with any purchase. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. College football playoff path continues to look murky for the league. Quarterbacks are somehow even better than we thought they were. And some other notes from Saturday's slate of games, which saw the Pac-12 go a perfect 12-0 in week one. Did you know that of those 12 games, just two of them were one possession affairs? Just two. That's it. Colorado, 45-42 over TCU, and Arizona State, 24-21 over Southern Utah. Every other game was decided by two scores. You had a couple of FCS matchups in there. Sure, Arizona drubbed NAU, Oregon took care of Portland State, but you had a lot of G5 matchups in there. You had Power 5 matchups in there, and yet the Pac-12 came out on top in a big, big way. Before the season started, I looked at the landscape of this wildly entertaining league, which is doing something through one week that hasn't been done in a long time in college football, which is a poetic way for the Pac-12 to go out. It's quite the swan song for our beloved Conference of Champions here. They are playing high-level football. And before the year, I thought, okay, we have a lot of really good football teams here. We have some good football teams. We have some just okay football teams. And we might not have a truly terrible team, maybe Stanford. And we'll see what happens. They're a 29-point underdog against USC this week. We'll see what happens once they up their competition level from Hawaii, who they uh, took care of handily on Friday night over in the Aloha State. So my take was and remains, and I am doubling down on, this league is so freakishly competitive, deep, talented, and awesome, I can't see anyone getting through their entire schedule with only one loss. Because here's what you have to remember. This is the, the the lineup of teams for each of the five contenders in my view. I do not view UCLA as a contender. I recognize that that is possible given their win total and favorable schedule. Vegas thinks they're good. Their schedule goes their way. I've been low on UCLA for a while. My thoughts did not change when they beat Coastal Carolina 27-13 to on Saturday. Also, Vegas is goaded. The line was 14.5. Go figure. So... Of the five teams that I think can win the Pac-12, this is what they have to go through. And it's just a gauntlet everywhere you look. The league is designed with the scheduling here to allow for maximum parity or give anybody a shot because it's really, really tough. USC in these games has to have one or zero losses. And I am assuming here that the Pac-12 title game will come between two of these five teams. So USC, that allowed 28 points to San Jose State, did much better 
against Nevada, who I don't think is quite as good of a football team in the Mountain West, but made a jump forward somewhat in week two, allowing just 14 points, has to beat Utah at Notre Dame, where they have to play these teams, Washington at Oregon, UCLA, and the Pac-12 title game. Those six games, they have to go five and one. Tell me right now you think Alex Grinch is going to be able to get his team through those matchups at five and one. I think they lose to Oregon, and I think they lose to Washington. I think they beat everybody else and maybe get to the Pac-12 title game, perhaps even win it. Utah goes at Baylor this week, who is going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder after losing to Texas State in week one. Oregon's got a similar situation. They're about the same level of favor in that game, too. Utah's probably got the toughest schedule of the bunch. Like, USC's all in all isn't so bad because they miss Oregon State. They only have to play one of the Oregon schools and one of the Washington schools. Now, they get the Huskies. That's the tougher of the two. They get the Ducks, and I think they'd rather play the Ducks than the Beavers, who gave them fits uh, a season ago when they played them in Corvallis. But Utah has to play at Baylor this week. UCLA, I think they'll be fine in those games. At USC, at Washington, at Oregon State. Plus, they have Oregon at home, and then the Pac-12 championship game. I think they'll be fine against Baylor and UCLA. At USC, at Washington, at Oregon State. I think Utah's a really good football team. I know a lot of you probably think that. Anybody have them going unbeaten against USC, Washington, and Oregon State on the road? Not seeing it. Those are too good of football teams. All of them. So you're going to lose at least one of those. And then, let's say, just as, a, just as a hypothetical, it's the USC game. You would then, to make the playoff, have to go unbeaten against these opponents at Washington, at Oregon State, hosting Oregon, and then the Pac-12 championship game, which is coming against one of these five schools. Again, I can see a conference championship. I don't see a playoff. Washington goes at Michigan State in week three. I think they'll be okay. But again, not a gimme, not a layup. Stumbles happen. Crazy things happen. Last year, they threw a ball off a helmet of an air, of a lineman, of their own offensive lineman, and Arizona State returned it back for a touchdown. That was the difference in the game. They have to play Oregon, get them at home. They have to go at Oregon State. They have to go at USC. They have to play Utah. They've got Wazoo in the Apple Cup. No cupcake there. And then they have the Pac-12 title game. Again, could be worse. You could be Utah, but that's not an easy road for Washington. Because if I told you they lose, let's say at Oregon State, to make the playoff, they'd have to go unbeaten against Oregon, USC, Utah, Washington State, and the Pac-12 title game. Now they have Wazoo at home. I again think they they will be fine there. But that's just it's just asking a lot, and so many things have to go right. Oregon goes at Texas Tech this week, much like Utah. They're coming off an upset loss in week one. They're not a happy football team. They're going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder. Can't take them lightly, especially on the road. They have to go at Washington, at Utah, USC and Oregon State at home, and the Pac-12 title game. Not the toughest schedule here, but boy, it isn't the easiest, which brings us to the easiest of the bunch. And the case for Oregon State to make the Pac-12 title game, given the matchups and cannibalization that I anticipate here, seems to be growing based on how they played in week one. Now it's early. A lot of things can change. I don't know how much better Oregon State could have looked against San Jose State. I guess only allowing 10 points, maybe. I don't know. 
They have to play Washington, but they get them at home. UCLA, and they get them at home too. They have to play Utah, and they get them at home too. Wow, look at that. They go at Washington State to begin Pac-12 play. It could be a statement kind of game for Oregon State because Wazoo, every day or no, I think is a good football team, and they showed that on Saturday. They went and played a G5 team on the road, and they slapped them around. That's what good football teams do. Oregon State has to go at Oregon, and then you have the Pac-12 title game. Your, your audio didn't cut out. I just kind of let that marinate there because there are people who have made predictions in the media world that Oregon State makes a Pac-12 championship game. Do I see them making the playoff? No, I don't. But boy, the case for them to make the Pac-12 title game, of these five contenders, not only is their schedule the easiest, it's easily the easiest of the bunch. They don't have a non-conference game to worry about. That pertains to the college football playoff, not the Pac-12 championship game. But to play four, not five, of the other left column teams that had a win total of eight and a half or, or, or higher is a break. Missing USC, that's a break. And having three of the four teams that are contenders or seen as contenders right now and are, frankly, Having them at Research Stadium, I tell you what, could be worse. You could be Utah, where you have to go at USC, at Washington, and at Oregon State. Oregon State has Washington, UCLA, Utah at home. They got to go at Wazoo. They got to go at Oregon, and they have the Pac-12 title game. I don't think they get through that with one loss or no losses and reach the college football playoff, but the Pac-12 championship game, yeah, that could really, really, that that could happen. This league is so much fun. You know why it's so much fun? Because we have great quarterbacks, the best quarterbacks in the country, as a matter of fact, who are somehow better than we thought. Bird dogs are better than you think as well. And you probably think they're pretty good if you listen to this show. So bird dog shorts make you look good, which is great, but they also feel good. Their stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. They do the same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better and they fit better of course than regular shorts which are made of a stiff restricting cotton bird dogs are exactly what you need for uh, you know every single occasion imaginable you can take them on a walk on a hike on a jog on a bike ride on a swimming venture to the golf course just hanging around the house you can do whatever you want with them so go to birddogs.com slash locked on college or enter promo code locked on college at checkout for a free bird dogs water bottle with your order that's birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free water bottle at checkout you won't want to take your bird dogs off we promise you so much like we promise you that you won't want to take your bird dogs off i promise you that the second segment sip is essential to every show it's why we do it keep me going, give you the best quarterback. I also assure you that the quarterback play in the Pac-12 is the highest in the country, and it's somehow the the, the lore, L-O-R-E, the lore of, but not lure, although it is a lure to other, to fans of other conferences who might want to watch some really quality uh, football driven by the quarterback position, the one we care about the most. The quarterbacks are somehow better than we thought they were going to be, at least that's how they looked in week one. Because we, we knew that a lot of guys were talented. And we knew Shadur Sanders had talent. And I know there are a lot of Colorado people out there who were all up in the comment section. I knew Colorado was going to win. Okay. I'm sure you did. 
if that's what you think or if that's how it actually is, good for you. Wink. So, anyway, I knew Shador Sanders had talent, and I didn't have a doubt about him, but I had a question about him. And that was, hey, what's your decision-making going to look like? Because I've seen guys make the jump from FCS to Power 5, and Shador Sanders was a blue-chip quarterback prospect coming out of high school, but all the college football he'd seen so far was at a lower-level competition. And I thought it was more than fair to ask the question, hey, how is he going to be able to make this jump? What's his decision-making going to look like? And that's what impressed me so much with him on Saturday, is his decision-making was flawless. No interceptions. He was willing to take sacks and not try and do too much when his offensive line broke down. He took what the defense gave him. He made good reads. He made accurate throws. He didn't put the ball in harm's way. He did that far better than Washington State's Cam Ward, who's also quite good, by the way, and had a really, really good game on Saturday. Ward had some trouble in those areas a year ago, and you could see him making plays or trying to make throws, forcing into windows where you go, can't make that play at this level. And sure, Sanders, that's a seamless transition. I heard a podcast host who I listen to a lot, John Middlecoff, the Three and Out podcast. Um, I heard him say something funny because he and Colin Coward were talking on a podcast on the volume about uh, Shador Sanders. And Colin Coward was saying, I, I, I talked to NFL scouts. He's a first-round NFL talent. And I was like, okay, it was one game. Maybe, maybe get a little bit more information. It was mighty impressive. Don't get me wrong. But a first-round NFL quarterback, maybe we need a little bit more of a body of work there. But Middlecoff just sarcastically said, Deion Sanders' kid is good at football. What a surprise. (laughs) Which I thought was pretty funny because Deion Sanders, quite literally one of the best athletes of our generation and of his uh, generation. But I I just, I love this league, getting to cover it in this final iteration as we know it here. Uh, And and many of you asked, by the way, I get asked almost on a daily basis, like, hey, what are you going to do once the Pac-12 dissolves and such? And I will repeat to all of you what I have repeated before. And what is the honest-to-goodness truth? My bosses and I locked on are monitoring the situation. And we're going to play it from there and see what happens and adjust accordingly. But I have a strong desire to remain on the air with college football takes beyond just my Locked on Ducks podcast. So... That's all I can tell you, so I can stop some of you from asking the question because it does quite literally come in every day. But we knew the quarterbacks in this league were the best in the country. And they proved that en route to a flawless and perfect record in week one. And I'm going to rank them and their performances in week one um, or maybe more how I rank them right now, not specifically with regards to their, their individual performances, but how I feel about them given what I know and what I could see going forward. But we knew about Caleb Williams, he won the Heisman. We knew about Michael Penix led the country in passing. We knew Bo Nix was really good. And Cam Rising, who unfortunately is hurt right now, is really good. But Shador Sanders, 510 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. DJ Uyunglele. 239 yards passing, three touchdowns. Oof, boy, I tell you, that is not half bad. Uh, No picks, by the way, for DJU. Um, Also, the school he left, Clemson, oops. Cam Ward, guy I was talking about earlier, who coming into the season is the big question surrounding Washington State that will define success in 2023, is what version do you get of him on a week-in, week-out basis? Yeah, 37 of 49, 451 yards and three touchdowns. Spencer, they played Colorado State. Okay, fair. 
He also plays for Washington State, not what you'd call a glamour program in the conference. And I assume, hypothetical commenter making this remark that may or may not just exist in my head, you were impressed, as I was, with Michael Penix's 450-yard performance against Boise State out of the same conference. Well, Boise State's a much better program. Fact check true. So too is Washington than Washington State. Anytime you go for 450 yards, that's a lot of yards. By the way, both quarterbacks in the state of Washington threw for 450 yards on Saturday. Is the Apple Cup here yet? I, I, I can't wait to watch. I'm already excited for it. Like, give me those two guys at their best, just slinging it all around the field. Throw the pigskin, chuck the rock, throw the football on another, you know, euphemisms for passing. Anyway, so let's get to my, my quarterback rankings at, at this point in time, which is how I feel given what I have seen from these quarterbacks and the body of work that they have produced and not necessarily just reflective, though influenced by their week one performances and what we saw there. So if you had to give me a quarterback rankings list, which is exactly what I'm giving you here, I'm putting Caleb Williams number one, which always gets a couple YouTube commenters upset, which I find to be pretty funny. But like, okay, Caleb Williams, I'll go number one. I've got Penix number two. This is where it's going to start to get controversial because Colorado fans listening to or watching this show would like Shador Sanders to be at number three. I've got Bo Nix at number three, and I've got Shador Sanders at number four. My reasoning here is I've still only seen Shador Sanders play one Power 5 football game. Now, I gushed over that performance as everybody did, not just today, but extensively on Saturday's reaction show when talking about the Buffs, because it was the most impressive part to me, in addition to how well-schemed and buttoned up the offense was, Shador Sanders looks so good and did so many things well. But it's a testament to how well he played that I have him even this high on the list. Did I have him lower going into the season? Yep, because I didn't know. But I got a glimpse. I saw the potential. That looks really, really good. But I got to see it for more than one game. And to me, when I look at the three guys that I put ahead of him, and I think some of you would agree with that, some of you would not, by all means, jump in the YouTube comments, let me know what you think, or hit me up on Twitter, at Smalls underscore 55, or at LO underscore Pac-12. DMs and mentions wide open. I'm open to hearing your thoughts here. But the bodies of work produced by the three guys ahead of him are more impressive to this point. Now, the reason I have him one slot above Cam Ward, who's played more Power 5 games and overall has had a better college career to this point against Power 5 competition, because he's you know played one full season plus one game against it, and you know is G5, but you understand FBS competition should be the way that, that, that I'm framing that discussion there is that individual performance from Shador Sanders was better than anything I have seen from anybody that's below him when they have really good games. Doesn't mean they're really good players. They are. But Penix at his best, I have seen put up similar numbers or you know somewhere in that vicinity or in performances that are as impressive as what Shador did on Saturday. Same thing with Caleb Williams. And Bo Nix, who does it more on the ground, as well than, than a couple of these guys. Same exact sort of thing. So that's my reasoning there. But Shador right now, that could climb. That could climb as the season goes on. I could power rank these quarterbacks later in the year. Shador could be number two behind Caleb Williams. Heck, we never know. We're just going to have to wait and see. Cam Ward, number five. Jaden Delora, who had a nice game for Arizona. They took care of Northern Arizona, no problem. 
oh how times have changed down in Tucson. Remember what happened when Jed Fish first got to be the head coach of the Arizona Wildcats? Do you remember what happened there? I remember what happened there. They had lost uh, eight games in a row, 12 games in a row. They'd lost a lot of football games in a row. And they continued that losing streak with an L to, yes, Northern Arizona. Here we are two years later, NAU didn't belong on the field with the Wildcats, who played in front of an outstanding crowd in Tucson, by the way. A lot of optimism for the Wildcats, who I think are a 7-5 and five football team this year. I think they're going bowling. Yeah, I, I said it, and I will continue to say it. Uh, so I have Jaden Delore, number 6. I have DJ Uyungle, number 7. He looked very good. What a conference of quarterbacks you have when DJ Uyunglele <laughs> is 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 the number is the number seven quarterback. That's uh that's pretty darn good considering how he looked on Saturday. You had the opportunity to bet that game and every other game with uh FanDuel. I'm not done with my quarterback rankings, fear not. But you have to check out FanDuel if you want to get all the latest action with America's number one sportsbook. You can continue betting on the college season. You can get ready for the NFL season. And right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app super easy to use. They have a great interface and make it easy to go in there and bet what you want. You can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season, which starts this Sunday. Yeah, that's right. We have college football and the NFL this Sunday. Gosh, I'm excited. And they have an offer here at FanDuel you don't want to miss. FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick it off with an offer you can't miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, let's continue along uh, wrapping this up. Uh, so I have DJ Uyengale at number seven, who uh, looked really, really good behind a great offensive line. His former team, Clemson, uh, as my grandfather would say, when you hook a ball off the first tee into the hazard. Oops. Um, anyway, so at number eight, I have either Sam Jackson or Ben Finley. I didn't get to see as much Sam Jackson as I wanted to. He got hurt. Hopefully he's back this week. But Ben Finley was more than competent. 279 yards, a couple touchdowns, a pick. Helped lead Cal to a 58-21 smashing of North Texas. So, I have them there. Ashton Daniels at number 9. Thought he did some nice things for Stanford. Was playing Hawaii. Not a great Mountain West team, but eh, could be worse. Uh, Dante Moore at 10. He has got a lot of upside. This is a guy who could move up this list considerably. But right now, he still looked like a freshman at times. Threw a pick in the end zone. Had a couple of moments where you're like, oh, okay, he's still got some room to grow. He should be the starter for UCLA going forward. Bryson Barnes uh, of Utah, the backup for Cam Rising, in for him while he's injured at number 11. And then Jaden Rashada right now is the Ross of the bunch. Again, guy who could rise as the season goes on, but ASU starting quarterback. Uh, definitely lost his way a bit in that Southern Utah game in the middle part of it. So he's number 12. Okay. A couple other Saturday notes to wrap up today's show. There were a lot of things that I liked from several teams that I didn't get to talk about in full yesterday, but that's why we do content every day. That's why we're Monday through Friday. And that's why we're going to be doing Saturday reaction pods throughout the course of the entire season. So let's start with Stanford. Stanford's offensive identity is something that I really liked because 
They went to the slow mesh a year ago, and that was David Shaw's attempt to kind of modernize the offense. I didn't like it, but they ran their quarterback. They went double H back. They got the ball to Benjamin Urosic a lot, and they had a clear mission, which was, hey, that's our best playmaker. Let's get him the football. And I thought Ashton Daniels was good because he was. Nothing special, but good. 25 of 36, 248 yards, two touchdowns. He runs the football well. He's a good fit in that offense. I think they know what they're doing and have an idea of what they're trying to accomplish. Look, I still feel like Stanford is the last place team in the Pac-12 this year. But could I see them being better than Arizona State based on week one? Yes. But as Josh Pate's Mima said, a wise man makes observations in week one. A foolish man makes conclusions. So we are making observations, not conclusions just yet. Second thing was Cal's offensive success. I think Sam Jackson is needed to upset Auburn. I should say that's what I thought. I thought they needed Sam Jackson in order to upset Auburn. Turns out it's desirable to have him there because he's more dynamic. I don't know how their offensive line holds up against the Auburn front, but I was really encouraged with Ben Finley. This was a closer quarterback battle, I think, than I was expecting. I always thought it would be Sam Jackson, but they waited a while to name a starter. I was told by someone who was you know, on the ground there that it was a more competitive battle than you would have thought. I thought it looked that way when Ben Finley took the field and ended the game 24-34 for 279 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. And if he has a running game to support him, like Jaden Knott with 188 yards, now that's not going to happen every game, but 188 yards and two touchdowns on 20 carries, if they get that sort of explosiveness and production and can balance the offense like that, That was a 58-point outburst from Cal. That's their most points in a game since 2015. It's been eight years since they scored that many points in a football game. By rule of the way that time works in the time-space continuum here, that's the most points they've ever scored under Justin Wilcox. I like their offensive moves this offseason. Sam Jackson out but Ben Finley boy good thing they brought him in I like Defonse from San Jose State he looked great to back up Jaden Knott I like the receiving core I like their OC and offensive line coach moves and the personnel that they brought in there 58 points that's a result uh that was an observation a uh, couple more here to wrap things up Arizona State uh Jaden Rashada got off to a scorching hot start and then looked like a true freshman who wasn't quite ready to start yet and missed a lot of easy throws Uh, Down the field throws for sure, Um, but he showed flashes. He showed glimpses, but Jaden Rashad is about the only thing I like from ASU. They didn't run it amazingly well. It was okay. They had penalties. They struggled to move the ball on Southern Utah's defense at home. Like they needed a long kick return to set up one of their touchdowns. Like, I mean, that was a, that was not an impressive showing in week one under Kenny Dillingham. And somehow they're only a three and a half point underdog against Oklahoma state on Saturday. Early contender for the Pac-12 prime picks is Oklahoma State minus three and a half. Because I, look, ASU, this is why you make observations, not conclusions in week one, like Josh Pate's Mima said. But I I was really unimpressed with Arizona State. Now, Southern Utah, who I do radio for, the Thunderbirds played well. But even if they play well against an FBS opponent, it shouldn't be that close. Because Southern Utah should have won that football game. Jaden Rashad was about the only upside there for ASU. Uh, Finally, Oregon State. Remember when I said that the offensive line for Oregon State, 
before the season, everydayers know this, was the best in the league. If you had the best offensive line in the league and you were playing San Jose State, what exactly would it have looked like? Would your stud first-team all-conference preseason running back have been over 100 yards? Would your quarterback, who struggled in his previous stop, look comfortable and refreshed and refurbished and have had all day to throw literally all game? Yes, yes it would. And that's exactly how it looked on Saturday. They'll play better defensive fronts, no doubt. But boy, that was uh, that was offensive line dominance there. And the other thing is what I talked about with DJU coming into this year is Oregon State didn't need him and doesn't need him to go for 300 plus a game like they asked him to do at Clemson. I said, can he throw between 220 and 250 yards, toss a couple touchdowns and no more than one interception? That was Oregon State at their best on Saturday. 42-17 final on the road against a solid Mountain West team. Take that for what what you will. But he went for 239, three touchdowns, no picks. He does that all year long. That schedule for the Bees, I can see him making a trip to Vegas for the first time. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.